Hello, welcome everybody. My name is Liam Jackson. You might have remember this voice. Um, the co-host of previous years, Courtside Convo, Carter Landis. The old host, on to bigger and better things. Shout out to Carter if you're listening. Um, I'm gonna try to try my best to fill his shoes this year as the host. Uh, we're back in the sports studio in Holden Hall. Feels good. Uh, back in our own space. Uh, Josh Ryupan and Carter Fry will be with us um, throughout the year, but we have two new co-hosts tonight. Um, I'll let them introduce themselves. Um, right now, actually, we'll go to my right. We'll go to Josh. Josh, introduce yourself. How you doing? Good. I'm Josh Guprow. I'm a sophomore at Games and Interactive Media major. And uh, before I was at Michigan State, I was at the University of Akron, where I uh, was a sport studies major, and I was working with the Akron men's basketball staff doing some video work. Awesome, awesome. And then right in front of me, we've got our man AJ here. How you doing, AJ? I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm AJ Evans. I'm a junior here at MSU, majoring in journalism. Um, done some work with Fan Sided, writing for Piston Powered, their Piston site. Uh, and at school here, I'm on Big Ten Plus and Spartan Sports Report, and a couple other things. But I'm a diehard Pistons fan, and I'm excited to talk with y'all. Finally, got another Pistons fan with me. You know it. I, I needed one. I was fighting for my life. Uh, got a, with some Bulls fans, some Hawks fans. Now we got a Cavs and in Blazers fan, right, Josh? Yeah, yeah, from Cleveland area, so definitely yep. definitely Cleveland sports, and then when the Cavs feel the need to tank once every decade or so, then I'll, <laughs> I'll watch the Blazers. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. This year we're going to try to keep the episodes just a tad bit shorter. We're, keyword try. We'll do our best. Sometimes we get off on tangents. Never a bad thing. But So basically how this first show is going to work, we got NBA basketball next week finally. Uh, we're going to go over some predictions what we got for awards conference finals and finals talk talk about some storylines and then we have a little fun segment at the end but right now let's just hop right into it uh just go biggest biggest award right off the bat we'll go mvp i'll start i think i had luca last year i think he's just bound to get one eventually um and i'm going to keep picking him until he finally wins one so that's my rationale for luca i don't really have much else to say um so luca is my pick for mvp what about you guys I'd say for me, mine is Joel Embiid. Um, last year, I think he finished second in voting, close second to Nikola Jokic. Um, led the league in scoring last year, averaged over 30 points a game, but he didn't get a full season with Harden. And I think at this point in Harden's career, I think Harden, Doc, Tyrese, and everyone in the Sixers organization understands that Embiid is the guy that's going to take them as far as they want to go. And... Yeah, I, I just I think this is the year for him. And similar to what you said about Luca, I think he's he's gonna get one at one point, but I think this is the year for him. I think he finally pushes through and gets one. Yeah, he's definitely been about as close as you could possibly get. And yeah. He's missed a lot of time with injury, but it seems like he's starting to put together um seasons where he's playing fifty, sixty, even seventy games. So Yeah. I think that's a very, very good pick. What about you, Josh? So I, I wanted to go Kawhi originally, but I don't think he'll have the raw stats. So I ended up going KD, and I think I like, I like Embiid and Luka, and I think both of those guys might have better statistical seasons than KD, but I think that the Nets, I mean, we're already seeing it, but like they're going to be such, you know, such a circus at times that if he's healthy and is the KD that we know he can be, that they're just probably going to be one of the best teams, regardless of the circus. 
and he's clearly the best player. I don't think Kyrie or Simmons are thought of the same way as either of them used to be, and that helps KD because the help that it looks like he's getting is being a little bit discredited. And I don't think he should be the favorite, but I think by the end of the year, if he's healthy, you know, there's going to be a lot of games where it's just KD has 45 and they only win by five. You know, KD has 45 and 15 or something and they only win by, you know, six or seven or whatever, you know, whatever it is, because they're going to have injuries. They're going to have, you know, chaos in that locker room. And I just think if he's steady, that it's just going to be his to take. Yeah, one of my favorite, one of my favorite individual performances I think I've ever watched was KD against uh, the foot on the line game against the Bucks yeah, in the playoffs yeah, yeah. when he played all 48 minutes and he's running up and down a year after a torn Achilles. Uh, um, 48 minutes playing defense against Giannis, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and also just putting on a show offensively to dragging that team to overtime. And they might, they're an inch, inch and a half away from potentially winning an NBA championship that year. So I, I think out of all, KD is obviously a legend, one of the greatest ever. But first thing I think about when I think of KD is either the shot again in Cleveland to clinch the finals or that game against, uh, against Milwaukee. So that, I think that is also a great pick. And I think I take back what I said about Luka last year. I think I had KD last year, too, as my MVP. Um, yeah. I had yeah. Harden as mine last year going into that season with the Nets. I just thought it was set up for him. I thought I was hoping that they would put him put him at the point guard position and mm-hmm. Kyrie would be himself, KD would be himself, and he'd end up averaging something like 25 and 13 just being yeah, a he facilitator. Had, he actually had like a pretty crazy stretch um, when he was playing by himself. Yeah, like I remember a game at Phoenix. He had like fourteen, fifteen assists. Yep, he was. Yeah, he was when he when he's. Uh, I have a little bit more to say about Harden later on, but I think that I think that. Um, he has, he hasn't been a perfect player, uh, recently, but I think that he's overlooked too at this point in his career. I think that he's yeah. a different player than he used to be in in Houston, but I do think that he's just way too smart to be anything less than a, a very very solid NBA player. Uh, you guys got anything else on MVP or? Move all right. We'll move to to rookie of the year. Uh, this is an exciting one for us Pistons fans because we're usually drafting at the top of the uh, or yep. near the top of the lottery. So we this is this is our MVP. So I'll, I'll let AJ go first on this one. For sure. So this year I have Paulo Banquero winning MVP. Um, I'm really big on Banquero. I think I felt like he was the most NBA ready guy, but I feel like he also has one of the highest ceilings, and he reminds me a lot of. Carmelo coming out of school but he's bigger I think he's bigger and I think he's a better facilitator at this point too in his development and I think the Magic are aware of that and I think they're really going to put the ball in his hands from day one and allow him to just get out make mistakes and to play freely which I think is very important for you know any young cornerstone that you're building around so I don't think they'll win a lot of games but I think they'll be really fun to watch and I think he'll put up the stats and and I think he'll also be efficient enough to garner consideration for the award josh yeah i had i've been caro as well and i along with everything aj said i think that that roster it's particularly the front court uh, sets up really well for him to have a big rookie year because they already have well that i agree they probably won't win a lot of games they do have a sneaky talented front court with wendell carter jr and then bomba and franz wagner and all of those guys i think fit really nicely around ben caro because they all of them can shoot 
all of them can rebound. You know, all all of the little things that Bancaro would be forced to do on like a t- bad team where he's picking up all the slack for everybody. Like they already have guys to do that stuff. Their problems are in the backcourt, and I think that yeah, like they're they're going to be bad. But I think that it sets up where the the front court will take the pressure off of him as a rookie on the defensive end, and he'll be able to have those big numbers on offense that give him the rookie of the year. Yeah, I love his ball handling and passing at his size. I think that's just something that you don't see very very often in the NBA. Um, I I went a little bit. This this probably wouldn't be my pick if I were to have to put money on it, but I one of my favorite players coming out of the draft was Ben Matherin, and um, his preseason performance so far has been and summer league. He played well in the summer league as well. I just love the way he plays. I think Tyrese Halliburton's going to get the best out of him, like just like he does with most players Tyrese plays with. Um, he's athletic. He can shoot. His defense, um, he's shown potential, but overall not a great defender. But when in terms of rookie of the year, voters don't really care about defense all that much, at least most of them. So um, I don't want to jinx Jaden because I took Cade last year and the day before opening night, and he didn't hit a three for like a month. It felt like or day before he started playing because he missed a little bit. But um, I'm rooting for Jaden. I'm going to take Ben Matho. Um, you guys got anything else? Like you said, I, I think I think Ivy does have a have a legitimate chance. I think he actually like, does have a decent chance too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really set up for him. And I think sort of like how Halliburton is in Indiana, I think Cade is going to get the best out of him. And I think, you know, Cade is a great lead passer. He's great at getting the ball out in transition. He likes to do that. And I think Casey wants this offense to run. Like, I, I think Ivy's going to have plenty of opportunities to score and have big-time games this year. Yeah, I think I've thought about this a lot. I think um, Ivy, we know what he can do in transition. We've seen it. Mm-hmm. I think in the half court, the type of possessions I'm really going to be interested to see is when Cade breaks down the defense methodically the way he does. And Ivy, um, when, he, when Cade can collapse the defense – give it to Ivy, and Ivy can attack um, a closing defender. I think that's when he's at his best in the half court. And then we see Isaiah Stewart trying to develop a shot. So if you have Isaiah and Sadiq out there too that can shoot, give Ivy more uh, like more options to pass as he's attacking that closeout, I think there's just so many options offensively for that group, and I think that's where Ivy can thrive in the half court. So I do think that there is a lot of opportunity. I think it's a great fit for Detroit. So – um, yeah, nothing but good from Ivy. And also yesterday, I guess two or three days ago when this pod comes out, but um, he made two crazy defensive plays, uh, that steal um, after he got blocked or missed a layup, and then um, just going up and, and catching the ball on a on – yep. I don't know, I remember who it was, but he got a jump ball, but he just was floating in midair. And I think um, he has – moments where he has defensive lapses but when he's engaged on defense I think that he had showed a lot of potential there too so yeah I gotta stop I gotta calm down when I start talking about Pistons players because I could talk for a minute but uh we'll go to defensive player of the year next um I'll go first on this one I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Giannis and I just think I think he's somehow underrated defensively just because um not that it doesn't get talked about it definitely does I just feel like what he's able to do, um, even throughout the re- obviously it's a regular season award, and what Budenholzer does, I think that if he wanted to just defend the rim, he could be a defensive player of the year award candidate doing that. But 
he's just, I mean, you can't say enough about Giannis, how freakishly athletic he is, how long he is. So I think that he's just a game breaker defensively. And um, I think that it's his, his award uh, to lose this year. Go ahead, Josh. I uh, I went Kawhi Leonard. I think that people are doing to Kawhi and the Clippers what happened to Steph and the Warriors last year, where because of injuries and the down year and whatnot, people forget how good this guy is. I mean, Kawhi Leonard already has two Defensive Player of the Years. If he if he plays seventy games at the level, you know, he was at. I mean, when he left. You know, before the last time we saw Kawhi, he was averaging 25, 6, and 5 on almost 50, 40, 90, and being one of the defensive best defensive players in the NBA, and which, which is why I almost took him for MVP, too, because if he's playing at that level, that's, I mean, 50, 40, 90, and being the best defensive star, I mean, that's ridiculous. Like, none of the, all the other 50, 40, 90 guys are like point, you know, Steve Nash, you know, Dirk did it once, but like Dirk was never the best perimeter defender in the NBA. And I just think that he he has the name recognition because he's already won two of them, and sure. he, they're they're going to be a good team, and he's going to be in a position to be a key defensive stopper because especially you know without you know with the injuries they're probably going to see because John Wall's probably going to miss some time at some point. Paul George usually misses time. You know, a lot of their guys, while they're very talented, they have guys that are going to probably need rest nights or, you know, e- yeah, even if it's just that, even if it's just rest. Like, John Wall's not going to play 82 games, you know, and I, I really like that addition. And that's the other thing is I think that he can focus on his defense more because they've never had a facilitator like John Wall with him on the Clippers. Sure. So I think it frees him up to really, to really focus in on that end and be the defensive player. He's been when he's healthy every other time. Before we get into mine, I just want to ask, how many games do you expect Kawhi to play? Because I was talking about this earlier with someone, and I think the Clippers are going to be great this year. I'm expecting big things out of them. I I have been pessimistic about them in the past just because I, I always I felt like something goes wrong. But you can't deny Kawhi's talent. You can't deny Paul George's talent. And I think John Wall was an incredible addition too. But how many games do you expect Kawhi to play this year? I actually do think he could get I don't he's not going to play 80 but I think he could get 70 plus because you I don't mean, think they'll rest him a lot. I think they'll rest I mean but 12 games rest I mean that's 12 70 games that's 12 games rest. I think they will rest him but also he hasn't played in a year in a, or almost a year and a half. I mean he's he's gotten a lot of a lot of time off. He's he's bulked up too. He's put a lot more weight on so or his lower body. So they, you know, to combat those knee injuries and stuff. So I think he's going to miss less time for injuries. I do think he'll get rest nice. He might play 65, but I could see him playing, especially if they're in a tight playoff race. You know, if, sure. they, if they're playing for for seeding or, or if they have other injuries, like if, if John Wall and Paul George are missing time, like he's not going to get those rest nights yeah. because then they'll need him out there. I, I definitely think that's, that's, a, that's going to happen, but not to the point where I think it takes him out of defensive player of the year. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I was just really quickly. I, the, recently, Paul George saying that he understands that Kawhi is yeah. the number one there. I think that that's something that's not. It's pretty rare to get from a a guy who was just third in MVP voting three years ago, and he's uh, obviously Kawhi is the superior player in my opinion, at least to Paul George. But it's not like Paul George is a scrub. Like it's Paul George, and yeah, he's, he's 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 yeah. That's you're you're in a pretty good spot if you got Paul George saying that he's fine with being the number two on your team. So. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch them both up back on the court this year. 
they will certainly be, I think, one of the most interesting teams to track over the season, especially with the West. The West has a really tight, is going to have a really tight seating, I think. It'll be interesting to see when they choose to ramp things up because I know they will. I know they'll coast at certain points and ramp things up because that's what all great teams do throughout the course of the season at some point. Well, and that's a veteran squad too. Yeah. Like Ty Ty Lue's not going to stress about week two of the regular exactly. season. Like that's just not. He's also a great coach. Yeah, that's exactly. Coach. That's not how he's going to coach that team. Like they're gonna like he's they're gonna get rest nights. But I I don't think he'll you know that team will be as focused on like the the, the playoffs and all that early in the season. Like because sure. they because they know they're going to be there. Yep. They know they're going to be there. But that's part of why. I think Kawhi can also get get back on that defensive player of the year because he's not going to be pushing for these like forty point like in Toronto where it, sometimes he had to go for like 35, 38, 40 points just to keep them in the game because they didn't have the talent around. They didn't have a Paul George, you know. Like Siakam is Siakam was young, you know, and then he wasn't yeah, anywhere was near. He wasn't the player he is now, and it, the support was different. Yeah, they had a pretty good team, but they didn't have a solidified number two guy at least on a night to night basis. I think the closest probably would have been Lowry. Yeah, and Lowry, which, and, and, yeah. and Lowry was like shooting 40% from the field. Yeah. I mean, but Lowry, I think, was invaluable to that team just because of his leadership. And Lowry does so many things that don't show up He's on a the great box defender, score. too. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, that wasn't, yeah, no, no Kyle Lowry oh, yeah. shade. Yeah, no Kyle Lowry shade. <laughs> That's a great player. For sure. Well, um, for my defensive player of the year, I chose Ben Simmons. Um, I went back and forth on this a lot, but. I really think this year in Brooklyn, Ben will be able to solely focus on what he's best at with, I think, Kyrie and and KD handling most of the scoring and the ball handling duties. I I think he'll just be able to roam defensively a lot. And Mm -hmm. I think think he's arguably the most versatile defender. Like, he can guard point guards. He he can switch on anything, which I think is going to be super valuable for them in the playoffs. But, yeah, I... I, I see it happening for him and I hope I hope he's able to continue to get away without get away or how do I say this? I guess get by without shooting as much. Um I hope he does begin to shoot a little bit more, but defensively I don't I, I just think he with his length, his athleticism and his motor, he just brings so much to the floor. And yeah, I think this year is set up for him to go out and win just because he won't have to handle the responsibilities much on offense at all. Yeah, I got a few things. Um, did you listen, either of you guys listen to J.J. Reddick's podcast with Ben Simmons recently? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah that was a great listen. But um, I guess personally, when I was younger, I was the type of guy who would, um, I was the type of guy who would, or type of kid, I guess, that would just get, um, may have all these crazy takes and say I'd hate all these players and I hate all these teams and stuff. And since I've gotten older, I've kind of been around actual athletes. Like I've done a much better job realizing they're all like human beings, you know. So I guess I never disliked Ben Simmons because I don't dislike any athlete. I don't. I try to stay away from that. Um, but I I kind of held like I held I suspended judgment for Ben Simmons. Because I didn't know obviously what all was going on, but it was him sitting out and all that. So I kind of stayed away from those conversations. But listening to him on JJ Reddick's podcast, for me at least, I thought that I gained a lot more respect for him and a lot more empathy for what he had gone through. And it seems like, obviously, um, obviously he's not going to go on the podcast and say he's not ready to play and stuff. But it seemed like 
Um, and we saw it in the preseason. Looks like he's getting after it defensively, and that's what defense is a lot of time is effort. And it seems like he's kind of locked in again. And I'm really, really excited. Um, like you said, like he's going to have – when you have Kyrie and KD on your team, like those – that is the offense. Like obviously Ben Simmons is going to add an – add a lot in transition and playmaking, even rebounding sometimes. Um, sure. So he's still – and I kind of like him as a screener too at times. Yeah. Um, so not not that he's a negative on offense, but like that scoring punch is going to – there's not going to be much burden on him to score the ball. And on top of that, I saw a clip. Um, I, I really like the way that they, they attacked um, – Milwaukee was playing that defense where they sag way off Ben Simmons and he was the ball, yeah. yeah. And he kind of dribbled inside the three-point line, um, kind of handed it to KD, set a screen, like a dribble hand, and like sucked it. While he was sucking the defense in, KD was able to take a deep two. And if they can just work like that, um, find little areas like that, either get KD open shots doing that or force the team to start defending you out there and take away that play, and then also that's just more space on the, on the floor for, for Kyrie, KD, Seth Curry, all those guys. So I think it's... Um, we're going to talk about the Nets more, but yeah, just so much to that whole team, that whole franchise, all those guys. So yeah, I could talk about, I could talk about that team for a long time. It's a lot of fun. Um, most improved player next. Um, this one is always kind of a tough award to pick just because, um, some people argue about the criteria, argue about who should be able to win it, all that stuff. And also just kind of a hard award to pick. You don't like, sometimes it's hard to pick who's going to to make that jump. That's what we're going to try to attempt to do right here. Um, we'll go Josh first. Who, who do you got? So I had Anthony Simons from the Trailblazers. I think that – I know I know that's not the most popular pick, but I do think – and he's probably – or should definitely start. I know there's a little bit of talk about he might be, like, in the sixth man of the year running, but he should – they just paid him $100 million. He should start. Mm-hmm. And he averaged 17 a game last year, you know, good percentage. And that was a lot of the time without Lillard there, which, you know, you might think is going to take shots away from him, but it also opens it up completely. Like Simons was the most important part of Portland's offense last year, most nights. He was getting the bulk of the defensive attention. You know, They ran out some lineups, and I've watched the NBA a lot, and sometimes I hadn't even heard some of their players. Yeah, it was it was rough. Yeah. I mean, they were I mean, and this is the same franchise that started Myers Leonard in a Western Conference Finals game. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've 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 been through it, but I I I think that one I think Portland's going to be better than people think. I, I I'm sure we'll talk more about that later on in the pod, but I I do think Portland's going to surprise some people and also I think that that it's that starting five is set up perfectly for Simons to do nothing but score 25 points a night because they don't need him to be any kind of stopper because that's probably going to – I'm not saying Josh Hart is any sort of elite defender, but he's a solid defender. That's probably going to be Josh Hart. Jeremy Grant's, you know, an adequate wing defender. They don't have any stoppers, but that just means they're going to have to score more. So that benefits Simons again because he's going to have to score – 25, 24, 23 points a night, whatever it is, just like C.J. McCollum did for them to be any sort of relevant. And I think he's better than McCollum. He's more athletic. You think he's better than him right now? I, I don't think he's better at everything right now, but I think he could have a better season. Do you, okay. I think he could have a better season this year. I, I, I'm I'm torn on saying he's better right now because I, I think CJ is very good. But I think like pushing towards the end of this year going into next year, Simons is the guy I want over CJ. 
Because I think Simons is younger, and like we already know, CJ isn't going to be a good defender. He's fine. Like he's gotten to the point where he's average, but he's not. That's just something. He's he's almost he's thirty. You know, like like Simons is younger. He's more co- he's more coachable. I think there's more room for him to grow as a passer, and I he's definitely more athletic. It's not even close in that regard. I mean, Simons you know, he's a slam dunk contest. You know, guy. I mean, that's and I think that's where the difference is because I think the skill sets are similar and. The production, you know, will be, and, and the roles are going to be similar. I mean, you're the right hand guy to Dame, right? But I think that Simons definitely is a better athlete. He, I think he's a better shooter than McCollum too. Really? I, I think not mid range, not mid range, but from three, yes, mid range. That's McCollum all day. But I, I think he's ahead of McCollum in some regards, and it's enough that the Portland team is better. Also, like this, if McCollum was on this team, it would be the best Portland team Dame's had. Simons is there. I still think it's the best Portland team Dame's had because Jeremy Grant is the best front court guy or forward that they've had. I mean, they they going back to the Myers Leonard in conference finals. They they had um, Alfaruka Minu and Mo Harkless starting on that Western Conference Finals team. I mean, Dame's done a lot more with less, and Simons is just gonna. I mean, Simons is just gonna absorb all of that knowledge from Dame too. I mean, it's it's you couldn't have a better mentor for an offensive guard. Yeah. I, as I think a Pistons fan, I kind of wanted them to throw some money at Simons in the offseason, see if Portland yeah. would match it. But, um, yeah. That being said, I'm, I am I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Simons fan. I'm a believer in his, in his game, and I love um, how he can just fill it up quickly. He can score in bunches. I like that kind of aspect in him. Yeah, and I, I'm a huge Simons fan too. I'm a, I was also a huge McCullum fan. I, I still am. But I guess going off of what you said, though, my question would be. You said he was a better facilitator, and I think there's room for him to. Room for yeah, him to like like McCollum, yeah. McCollum, th- McCollum is is not a bad passer, but I think Simons has the room to be pretty special in that regard. Well, I think the thing with McCollum is though is that he was. I always felt like McCollum had untapped potential as a point guard, especially come, if you remember when he was coming out of school, he was listed as a point guard. Yeah. From out of Lehigh. Yeah. Yes. And like yeah. he was, that's what he was projected to play. And Portland sort of moved him into that two guard position and he evolved into one and he was a phenomenal one and he, yeah. he still is. But I mean, seeing him in new Orleans this past year, you know, he's very, very capable of playing the point guard position and excelling at it. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that Simon's, I, I just really high on Simons. Yeah, like, I, I just, I just because because the the things that Simons can do with that quickness that he has that because like, McCollum, it's almost like the way he operates, and this is this is a little bit weird, but it almost reminds me of like watching Paul Pierce. Like he's yeah. like he rocks. You know what I mean? It's yeah, methodical, for sure. and, and for it's sure. like he gets to his spots. A lot like, of like east and west. Simons Simons can just decide that he's going to have forty, and you're not going to stop him. Like he's so quick so fast off the bounce like he, he's got that level in him yeah. we haven't seen it all the time but like I mean we saw some of that last year he had some games last year where he was putting up 35 and 10 35 and 8 like yeah with 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 very with very weak rosters around him like yeah and I just think it's more of me and I agree with the wasted potential on CJ I think that putting pigeoning CJ into like that two guard next to Dame when he probably should have been a point guard didn't serve CJ well but Simon's just spent the last couple of years being the backup point guard. Well CJ well CJ was too though that's the thing. When CJ got that starting position 
he got a ton of minutes because he was also the backup point guard. And he was for most of those years. But that's my question for you is if Simons is going to fill this role and be that backup point guard, how do you expect him to have more opportunities than CJ had if he's in that almost an identical role? I just think he's a better player, like talent-wise. Really? I think he's more athletic. I keep going back to the athleticism, but I think that that's what opens up the doors because I think that the talent in terms of like you know their ability to make shots, their ability to pass the ball, I think it's similar. I don't think like Simons is blowing CJ out of the water or anything, and CJ is better in a lot of regards right now because he's older, he's just more established. But that athleticism brings such an extra dimension to your game. Like when when guys just can't physically stay in front of you, it changes things, and it also opens things up not just scoring, but as a passer, like fat in transition. It's a, and Portland's going to run this year. That's the difference too, that I see that especially when Nurkic is off the floor, they're going to be running a lot more. Whereas with Terry Stotts and McCollum and Dame, they were very much half court centric, pick and roll. You know, very it was a limited offense. I mean, that's why Terry Stotts ended up being shown the door there was because that offense couldn't be diverse enough in the playoffs to get Dame and CJ past the rounds that they were going to. And I think with Chauncey Billups, they're going to be a little more diverse offensively, which will put Simons in better spots than CJ was in next to Dame. And I think having a coach that's a Hall of Fame point guard in himself, along with having a coast or not co-star, but like being the, the Robin to the Batman that is Dame, like you have two Hall of Fame point guards teaching this kid, you know, coaching him through practice, film sessions, whatever. I just don't. I just think this, the potential is there for the ceiling to be so much higher because he's got he's got a better infrastructure around him. Yeah, and, and he's more athletic, and he's already shown you like he's already had like like last year where he was a you know sh- some of his shooting numbers were better than CJ and stuff like that. Smaller sample size, smaller sh- you know, but I think the the potential is there, and we've seen the flashes. And I just, I see now, is he a good defender? No, but that's just another similarity that, you know, he'll have to work out. CJ started off as a horrible defender and now he's pretty, you know, he's pretty league average. Yeah. You know, so Simons will have to do work at that end. Like, yeah. and, and that's a problem. But I just think that I don't, I don't really see anything like in CJ's game that tells me that Simons can't be better. Yeah. I mean, I think the potential is definitely there. I yeah. mean, and you, you hit it on the head. I mean, he's younger. He is more athletic, and being more athletic can open more windows. But I just, I think there, you always have to be careful when you're betting on potential in the NBA because yeah, there's, for sure. you know, nothing is a sure shot, and this is a very similar role to what CJ was in. So, but like you said, him yeah. being athletic will certainly open I, more I like, doors. I like the raw talent a little more than CJ. Like I said, and I like I, I just like this team more. Like I I think part of the for problem sure, with CJ, sure. like CJ got held back by the coaching staff just as much as by playing next to Dame. Like that Stott staff was was adequate. Like it was it was fine. Like they went to a Western Conference Finals, but. I mean, it was pretty stale by the end. Like, they, I mean, they were getting swept out of the first round the last couple of years with Stotts, you know, couldn't couldn't even beat the Nuggets starting uh, Campazzo, you know. At, Dame at, had one of the best playoff games that series, though, yeah. I've ever well, seen. He, he yeah. did, he did. But that kind of, you know, he, he had... He had but yeah, and I get what you're saying. It was, time, it was time for it, it Stotts was, to go. It, it was time. I and think it was also, they, just, never, yeah. they never gave those guys, though, a true third star. No, like, they tr- they tr- they tried with um, 
Well, I they didn't not tr- true star, but like what was the year that they got Derek Jones Jr. What was the uh, what was the other wing they that threw they threw a bag? In? They threw a bag at Evan Turner. Yes, they threw a, yes. They threw a they big sure bag did. at Evan Turner. I remember that. And uh, I they they Zach they, Collins. They, they kind of look at. Yeah, I, they I feel him. like they they kind of look at Nurkic like that guy. They do. Like they're they're they waiting. I think Nurkic is okay. I I, I think he's a he's a a solid center. I don't think that he's well, ever going to be a a third the third best player on a championship team. No, I don't think he's going to be close to that. Which is fair. I just I just think that like it's it's just pretty crazy to see the evolution of that team when it's like like yeah, you still have two small guards in the backcourt that are offensively oriented, which is like you're going to have the normal weaknesses that come with that setup. But unlike before where your you know when they made the conference finals with Damon CJ where your your wing players have zero offensive capability whatsoever in Al Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkos. You have Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant. For sure. Both For of those sure. guys can go get you 20 For in a sure. night. Like, double-doubles. Like, Josh Hart, in my opinion, is super underrated. I think yeah. that that is a guy that could be, like, the fourth or fifth best player on a title team just, just because of his all-around skill set. Like, he's a great rebounder, great, you know. He just does all the little things, and you don't have to pay him a lot. Yeah, and we also saw Jeremy um, in the – in the bubble was playing small ball center. He was, um, he was getting buckets when they needed him to. And then he goes to Detroit obviously and improves that he can be a, um, a real plus offensively, um, at times, he had, at times he was, but he's not going to, I think that this is the role he's in now with Portland is probably the most optimal role for him. For sure. Um, so I think like you said, that's good, but, uh, can we move on from, I'm sorry. Like no, I was, no, it was no, a good no, conversation. That was, that, no, we're all good. That yeah. was, I I didn't know the Simons thing was that yeah. hot, hot of a take. But no, no, it's it's no. not it's not at all. I think I, I think it's set up for him to win. I really do. I just, it was just interesting though. I wanted to pick your brain about it with McCullum just because I'm I was really big on McCullum, you know, yeah. and, and I still I'm am. a little lower <laughs> than most on CJ. I think that is definitely true. Um, but I just, it's because I had such high expectations for CJ. Like, I thought CJ was going to ascend to a Dame-level player. Well, I mean, Dame is a generational point guard, though. But that's how highly I thought of CJ. That, I'm just being honest. Like, I thought CJ had the talent to be, like, I thought Portland lucked out and was just like, we're just going to have two of these guys. Like You like, don't get, I mean, you you don't get a Dame, though, for... Teams are lucky if they get a dame for a generation. You nobody gets two though. Yeah, but I mean like not like Dame as like, oh, he's gotta play like Dame, but like the Warriors did it. Like the Warriors got Steph and Clay. That's two Hall of Famers. Like that's that's I'm not saying Clay is at Steph's level per se, but like he's still a heck of a lot better than CJ, like first career. You know what I mean? Like that's like I thought CJ was gonna be a like a Hall of Fame, maybe not. 1A, 1A with Dame, but more 1A, 1B than A and B. Like, CJ was always the clear number two. It wasn't like, like, how you were saying with Paul George, you know, earlier, where Paul George, I don't think he is the best player on the Clippers, but you could make the argument. Like, the argument is there. Like, I don't agree with it, but it exists. I don't think there was ever an argument that CJ was better than Dame. Yeah, I get get what you're saying, and I think it's it's a good dichotomy between those two because... We can compare them, especially this year. Now we have all, all of CJ's um, past with playing with Dame, and now we can see what <laughs> what Simon's gonna do. Yeah. Um, I will, 
Just you go, yeah, you're good. Go ahead. I just wanted to close off on this though. I do. I will say going back to your Stephen Clay point though. A big part of why that worked out was because those guys complemented each other really, really well. That's true. And Clay is a far different player than Steph is. CJ and Dame are very much alike in a lot of different ways. Right. And I and, more of just meant the like the talent. Because because the fit, yes, the fit but the fit works. But like Clay would have been better than CJ somewhere else, in my opinion. Like like Clay would have still he might not have been the championship guy that we've seen, you know, four rings Clay or what but like I think, like if Clay went to the Cavs and played with Kyrie, which is like that, the Cavs took sure. the Cavs right. took Tristan Thompson ahead of him. I think Clay is still just as ahead of CJ. Yeah, that skill set of knockdown and knockdown on one end and shutdown on the other that plays wherever you're at. I feel like yeah, I just oh, I, yeah. I just yeah, meant the, sure. I just meant the talent. Like I thought that Portland did what the Warriors did when they got both of those talents. Like the Warriors got two generate. Like Clay is a gener. Like they have two of the five best shooters of all time. Yeah, that and they I, just walked into. But you're at the same time though. Talent and fit oftentimes coincide with each other. I mean, there are, yeah. there are plenty of guys who had all the talent in the world, but were on rosters for that for one reason or another didn't allow them to show it for mm-hmm. sure for sure and i and that that definitely did happen to cj but i uh, i don't think that somewhere else cj would have been like yeah yeah no yeah. for sure that's for that's sure. what i'm getting at is i just i do think that cj was a victim of that i will say though i think if he were in the eastern conference playing point somewhere he would have been a perennial all-star i think so i think he probably i think gets... he would have he would have done what kemba did where he stole a couple i'd say he's probably a little bit above kemba. I, I think he's better than kemba but i don't know if the team would have, you know what I mean? Because if he would have gone to the East, like where, yeah. what team is he on? Like some of those, some of those East teams that were drafted in the lotto for those years were, were pretty bad. Could yeah. have been uh, Brandon Knight for the Pistons. Oof. CJ would have been better there. Yeah. Uh, but my most improved player, my pick, going to be Tyrese Maxey. I've, uh, I went back and forth with this one just because I was a little worried about. The amount of shots Maxie's going to get up with them beating Harden there, but like we talked about, we talked about Harden earlier. I think that Harden, if if he sees um, if he sees how well Maxie's been shooting the ball, how well Maxie's been playing the end of last year and then into the preseason this year, um, Harden seems later on in his career just fine um, being the playmaker and not taking the bulk of the shots. And I think that uh, Maxie can slide right into that that role as uh, as a guy who's going to be the just his his main role is just to make shots on that team offensively um him and Joel and then um like you said like I uh, like we said earlier Harden just uh, moving the ball around and I think that um I've just I've read stories about Maxi on the athletic just about his crazy work ethic how he's undersized going into Kentucky and um how he would just badger coach K or coach Calipari all the time um just never leaving the gym. Um, I just I just love everything I hear about Tyrese Maxey, and that's why he's my pick. It also helps that he's in my dynasty fantasy basketball team, so I got some rooting interest. Uh, I got some some stake in in Tyrese Maxey, so I'm rooting for him. But uh, we'll talk about the Sixers a little bit later. Um, but I have uh, a little bit more faith in the Sixers than I have uh, in in recent years. So I got Maxey. Do you do you think Maxey ends up the second? In scoring and second option on that team with Harris there um, and Harden, because I know you said Harden Harden has no problem backing away, and I totally I was, agree. But I like, was close to saying that. I kind of stopped myself 
I don't think that I think that he could be the second leading scorer on that team, but who I'm not going to say that, he will. Who I, do you think it, the bigger threat to that is, Harris or Harden? I don't know. That's a good question because Harris doesn't do much else but score. Yeah, that's point. well. That's kind of where I was yeah. thinking because because that's kind of like he's making. 40, I would say Harden mil. just because it's still it's still yeah. James Harden, but. Um, what kind of role does Harris necessarily have? If, I think that's what a lot of Philly fans are asking at this point. Yeah, I mean, if Maxi breaks get, out this year, what kind of role does, does he, he have? Does he get moved? Does he just get traded? I think he could, but like, I don't know who. I don't know what. What do you ask for in return? Get, yeah, and he's getting paid a lot of money. It's kind of hard. Yeah, he's on for like, them to move him. I think he's getting one hundred ninety on five years, something crazy like that. Yeah, um, I don't know. I I still think he's like a a solid player. Like he's a good player. I just don't think he's a, a player that's. Built, like I don't think the role that Philly has carved for him I think, is is really. I think I I feel bad for him honestly playing in like in Philly, like <coughs> he got uh, Harden Embiid and I think Maxi's a fan favorite there and I I just feel like he's destined to fail because if he doesn't score close to twenty a game, you're, he's gonna hear it from their fans how they're paying him that much money. Yeah, and yeah. he's getting one eighty. Yeah, yeah. Damn near two hundred million dollars. I'm sure that I don't know how that was, this trade would work, but I mean, I'm sure Cleveland would take him, throw him at the three spot there. But maybe you dump Love's money on somebody else, or I don't know. I think Love means know. too much to that team. I, think I do as a too. I do too. Does, but I yeah. but I think if you're, I think the one position they would move Love for is that small forward because it's the one starting spot they just have. I no, think. I mean, they're trotting out Dean Wade in the preseason as a starting small forward. Dean Wade, Dylan Windler, Okoro. Yeah. I mean, what about Levert? He got minute. He got run too, but that's. I mean, they're putting Lavert in the conversation with those other guys. Is my point. Like yeah. Bickerstaff. I think they like Lavert with the bench unit. Him and uh, Love scoring. Gotcha. But I, don't, I, think I don't that's, think that's that's what the bench been doing. has. A, yeah, I think Lavert almost has to be on that bench because a lot of the other bench guys can't get their. I think shot. he he is the best three, but he doesn't fit like. That's come. That's kind of the philosophy. Like, do you just you put your best five in the starting five, or do you like kind of like uh, spread that? That scoring punch out a little bit, like if that would be their best starting five. But then off the bench, you'd either have to stagger those minutes with the starters, or just take getting beat because uh, their bench would not be that great. I don't think if they don't. I guess Kevin Love was got votes for six man last year. I just don't know how um, sustainable that would be. The the bench is is good on paper there, but there's so many question marks with an actual season because you have like Rub- Rubio is their backup point guard. He's working back from a very serious injury. He was phenomenal, though. Oh, he I was mean, great for that. I felt huge. horrible for him. He yeah, was it's huge. the second time tearing his ACL. He looked like the player everybody thought they were getting when he went when he got drafted. When when he was coming out of Spain and he was supposed to be like the next biggest thing in the world, and all of a sudden, I mean, that's that's what the Cavs got until he got hurt. Yeah, I'm glad he's back though. I am too. But I'm glad he's back in Cleveland. But I do think Levert will have to come off the bench because yeah. that. Like love, like love's probably gonna miss, you know. He'll that's somebody you want to talk about rest days. That's somebody that's gonna get. That's that's somebody that's definitely gonna get his rest days. Yeah, I think you could start him though in the in the playoffs. Start him in the playoffs. Stagger his minutes to where he's playing a lot of minutes with the bench unit still. Yeah, and they might they they might even they might just start him anyway. I wouldn't even. But Okoro has been shooting better, and I talked to friend of the program, Michael Markach. He's a. 
he'll never say anything bad about Cleveland sports, but so I don't take this with a grain of salt. But he was <laughs> he was telling me that uh, he thinks Okoro's shooting is, uh, ex- in his words, extremely underrated. So we'll see. That's good. Yeah. All right, AJ, what do you got for us? Yeah, so for my most improved player this year, I went back and forth between two guys, Gary Trent Jr. and Mikael Bridges. Oh, I love Gary Trent. I like. Yeah. I I was <laughs> thinking about Gary Trent, and then I looked at what he did last year, and I just don't know how much more he can do in that on that team. But I really like Gary Trent. I wanted to go that way. Well, much like you said about, <clears throat> excuse me, about Maxi, I think Trent's just a worker, and he's just gotten better every single year. And I think he makes it look so easy. Yeah, he does, and. His game reminds me, I don't know if he can be this kind of player, but his game reminds me a lot of a young Bradley Beal, how ooh, Beal ooh, was. Ooh, I and like that. Okay. I like that. That's a good one. That's a good comp. And he's about three inches taller than Beal. I don't think people realize how young he is. He's like 23 or 24. Yeah. Yeah. He's really young. So I looked at his numbers too. <clears throat> I looked at his numbers too and I said, oh, there's not much room for growth. But I mean, with the way he works and – with how in each passing year he's gotten better, I, I think there is. I mean, and if I mean if he goes from averaging eighteen to twenty three, maybe flirting with twenty four, Toronto wins some games. Yeah. I mean, he, you have to I feel like you gotta put him in that conversation. Who who takes the back step the the, the back step then in Toronto scoring wise? Because last year I wanna say he was se- he he was second on the team in scoring or third behind Van Fleet? I think I so. Think, yeah, I think he was Siakam. No, I think he was third. I think okay. that's what that's what I meant. Second, okay, okay. I meant second behind Siakam or third behind Siakam and Van you. Fleet. My bad. Oh. But I do want to. I just I just wonder because in a OG was at seventeen a game last year. I know nipping on Gary, Gary Trent's heels for thir- for for that third spot on that scoring list. I just I just I'm just curious who, yeah. who takes the who takes because they start. That's a unique team with yeah. with Barnes and and Siakam at the five. And then Ananobi, and then and Barnes is supposed to take a big step. He is. I, I, this is a simplified answer, but I I would honestly say Van Vliet's points go down and his assists go up. He just he just That's turns he say. just turns yeah. to like a facilitator I, type. Yeah, I mean I can see it. He I, averaged the second just, half. My bad. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say he averaged just under seven assists. I mean. Van Vliet is a phenomenal playmaker. No, I like I, I, I like Van Vliet. I think he could flirt with maybe averaging ten, and Gary Trent averages four or five more points a game. To your point. They when they made a push for the playoffs, Trent, Trent, I mean not Trent, uh, Van Fleet's, um, like he made the All Star game. Um, he was great in the, begin- in the beginning of the year, but at the end of the year, he kind of he slowed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And like like you said, Trent, Siakam, even Scotty, I think that is the future of that team. Like not that not that Van Fleet's gonna be gone or not gonna be a starter. I just think that if they're gonna make if they're gonna make that jump back into contention level, I think it's got to be first with Scotty. And then I think um, Pascal is still proved he could still be at or near an NBA level player, and I think Gary Trent, like you said, I think he's super underrated, and um, yeah, I think that I think that Van, like that, I think that teaches a good team. Like they're just they very are. deep, and they're, we yeah, haven't really we didn't even team, mention yeah. OGN and OB either. Yep. So yeah. yeah, just a really 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 good team. And Van Vliet was he learned you know right behind Kyle Lowry. Yeah. So I yeah. think if anybody understands how inferior statistics are to winning it's him because of Lowry like well and that was him in college too at Wichita I yeah. mean he was he was he's like he's had one of those careers where it's like the stats have never mattered yeah like, it's just yeah and I think the one 
one of the big things I do think works in Trent's favor in this regard is that he is unquestionably like there is no other shooting guard. Like OG, right. Scotty Barnes, all those guys are threes, fours, and fives. Like they're, you're not going to drop Siakam down to the two, OG down to the two. Like they on defense, yeah, absolutely. Like sure. But like offensively, like you're not you're not running the same plays. Like Gary Trent's a one of one on that team. They play a brand of positionless basketball, though. They, so they, they do, they do. But I just mean like offensively, yeah. like where they're trying to get their shots. Like they don't really have a guy that they can use the way they use Gary. Oh Trent, yeah, is is what For I'm getting sure. at. Like yeah, you're absolutely right with the positionless ball. But I, it's, I mean, Siakam's at the five. I mean, it's absolutely the definition of positionless ball. But I mean, I just don't like. I don't see a guy on that roster that can be used in the same offensively positionless ways as Trent, which I think, to your point benefits him because he's the only guy that's going to get certain types of shots for sure definitely my other guy I just want to touch on him real fast was Mikael Bridges I think with looks like Crowder's on the way out I think Bridges will have more touches more opportunities this season and he was incredibly efficient last year um, I like Bridges a yeah lot. I like Bridges a lot I don't really have a whole lot on that one I just it's just a really good player that should have lower, larger opportunities I don't think that's a bad pick at all I think my only, I have no thing. I have like I think the player is a great pick. I just that the whole situation around um, around Phoenix kind of scares me just a little bit. Yeah, just a lot going on there. Robert Sarver sucks as an owner. Um, DeAndre Ayton seems like chemistry might be the stuff with him and off the head or gone yeah. a little bit right now, which could be good. Could be good for Michael Bridges. Not good for their team. Good for Michael Bridges. MIP. Um, push he could get more opportunity I just that I, I'm just I'm a little bit scared and we saw um, I know people always say this every year with Chris Paul but he did show some signs of aging in the in both playoff series really he had a, he had a few really really good games but um, overall it wasn't his best playoffs um, so I don't know the team just scares me just a little bit and I think uh-huh. I think they missed they had a small window uh-huh. A small championship window, and I still think that they're going to be a pretty good team. I just don't know. I do you think I'm? We can just jump. I think we're we're a little bit behind on time. I think that we can get to the other. Um, we'll get six man of the year and coach of the year next week. We can talk sure. about that if, at the end of the uh, next week's episode. But we can just go into. We'll just go to conference finals and finals predictions real quick. Um, kind of get through these pretty quickly. And I guess I'll just start. Nobody. I don't mean to ruin anything, but and from what I can see, nobody picked Phoenix. I just want to ask about Phoenix real quick. Do you think that their championship window is closed with uh, at least with the Chris Paul era? I don't. I don't think it's like slammed shut, but it's definitely the the closest to being shut it's been since that core got together. I mean, mm-hmm. I I don't have a lot of faith in that. I don't have a lot of faith in that group like weathering that type of adversity like they all seem very personally pissed off at one another like it like like Aiton admitting that he went that long without even speaking to the head coach is not good in my opinion Chris Paul doesn't really seem to be handling a lot of it like Devin Booker defending Sarver for a while like the whole thing just seems 
I don't want to say like just broken, but like it just it's not good. It just stinks. Like I don't want any part of it. I'm sure there'll be a playoff team, and I'm sure that they could win a series, probably two series, if you know, depending on health and whatnot. But I just something about it just in my gut. I'm just not feeling it this year. I can't believe Sarver still is able to own that team. I he's, that I, I can't joke. believe they're letting him sell. I know he's yeah. gonna make so yeah. much so much yeah, money. That's that. Yeah, that's ridiculous to me. But I don't know if their window is shut. If the door has been shut, but I, I think after this year, you know, if if they don't win it, it's yeah. it's it's shut. But I think one thing about Paul is that you know he's definitely battle tested. I mean, everybody knows he was the leader of that team in Los Angeles when everything happened with Donald Sterling. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think if there's anyone that's capable of leading this team right now, it's him. It's a good and point. Yeah, I think with the thing with Aiden. I think if anybody's going to be able to help him understand, you know, this game, unfortunately, it, it truly is a business. It, yeah, for sure. It, it really is. And at the end of the day, the most important objective is winning. Mm-hmm. I think, and I really do think Paul will help Aiton sort of see that in a way. I think if there's anybody that can help him see that this season is Paul. And I think one thing about Chris is that he commands a lot of respect, not just within the locker room, but just around the league. Guys respect them. They listen to them. So if there's anybody that's going to be able to help them get out of this situation, at least mentally, it's it's going to be him. But they're going to need him more than ever, not on the on the court, but off the court. I I I think that's true, and I do think Chris Paul is definitely you know battle tested, absolutely respected all the way around the league. But there have been other situations where Paul has been frustrated, and that leadership does go away, like in Houston, where. You know he was he was not happy with how things ended up going down, and he he didn't act like the guy that I agree that he is sometimes and can be like that leadership folded a little bit, and if they get off to a really slow start or you know if if this if if this is gonna go bad for them, it's gonna go bad early and it's gonna stay bad in my opinion like I don't like if they get off to a to a hot start, I think you're right, and this fix it fixes all of it. Like, they just forget about it. They just they realize that they have one more year to pull it off and they go for the title. Yeah. But if they get off to, like, a, you know, like, 8 and 10 start, 8 and what, so, you know, just b- below expectations, I I think it could it could really blow up. Yeah. I mean, in, in Houston, too, we also got to remember, that was Harden's team as much as, like. It, that's true. That, that, was, that was really Harden's team. And Houston pretty much gave Harden everything that he wanted. And yeah. when... Harden made it clear that that relationship wasn't working, at least on the floor. Paul was out. For sure. And there were yeah. also whispers, too. I mean, Paul had the injury at the end of the conference finals and then came back, had a disappointing year. People were whispering that Paul's career was on the down spiral at yeah, that point. For sure. yeah, no, which, nobody expected him to. Which, sh- which even, shouldn't even when, have been. Even when he yeah. was sent to OKC, people didn't think he was even going to play for OKC yeah. at first. And then, yeah, and then that he, shouldn't have been the, the opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then. Uh, yeah, then he took them to the playoffs uh, in that COVID year. That was a lot of fun. That was a super fun OKC yeah. team. Yep. Um, with those, would they play with CP3, Shea, and Dennis? Yeah, Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder. Yeah, they yeah, played with three guard, guards. That three guard lineup. Billy Donovan coached yeah. them. That that was, was a, a great team. team. All right, we go really quickly through. Um, just we're gonna go conference finals, finals, and the finals winner. Uh, my Eastern Conference Finals. I got Milwaukee. Um, beating Philadelphia in the West. I got the Clippers beating Denver 
And then in the finals, I got the Clippers beating the Bucks in six games. Um, we talked about the Clippers a lot earlier. I think that um, something we didn't touch on, but the fact that Steve Ballmer, just money is no object to him, and he will pay whatever it takes to win a championship. Um, is I'm jealous of that as a Detroit sports fan. Wish we had an owner that uh, cared only about winning a championship. It'd be a lot of fun. But just the fact that they just got out, they went out and got Robert Covington, Norm Powell, on top of having um, obviously Kawhi, Paul George, and now just as a basketball fan, John Wall growing up was just kind of um, wasn't like at the level of like a LeBron or a Kobe, but like it for for like pop culture, like it just John Wall had his own shoes, he had his own dance, he, he was, was number one player coming like out of high a, school. It, it was like yeah. a Derrick Rose before Derrick Rose. Yeah. It, well, mean, after. Oh, yeah, after. Was he after? Yeah. Oh Those gosh. 360 layups. That, that job out of me. Yeah. Oh, you're good. That's it. I think I, he I was think like right I, after. I yeah, think, it was close. I was going to say very close. Like Rose was drafted in '08, and then Wall was the first pick in 2010. Okay, I yeah. believe. My bad. Yeah, it was very. It, I get what you're. It's like a. He's like a. I get it mixed up because well, because Rose like this like the star faded so fast. Like the decline happened so quick. Like because of the yeah. injury. Because of the injuries, of yeah. course. But like, so I I always put his start of his career later than it actually was because the fall off happened so fast. Yeah, that makes sense. But I get what you're trying to say. He was like kind of a, a, a step below kind of that NBA or MVP level player. Uh, he was kind of bigger than Rose in college. Yeah, I mean. It can, with Cousins on the on Derek oh, Bledsoe yeah. on no, those Kentucky th- teams. That like, Kentucky team was loaded. That, I think that's. That, that might yeah. be like the best team in NCAA history. <laughs> One of them. That like, was certainly yeah. Cal's best team. Yeah. So just all that going into it. And Ty Lue, great coach. Um, I think this is might sound really dumb if they just go on and, and end up being really good anyway. But I think Isaiah Hardenstein was underrated. Um, I think the Knicks got a good one on Isaiah Hardenstein. I think that their big rotation might um, – they might feel that, missing him a little bit. Um, that's all. That, those were my picks. Let's go, let's go, AJ. What are your picks? Or we'll go to Josh first. I see AJ still typing him in there. <laughs> all right. So I, I'll start with the East. I have Eastern Conference Finals. I had Sixers-Nets. And then I have the Nets winning that. I I think, I think the Sixers will be there for sure. Um, I like the I like the talent. I like all the pieces. And it's it's one of those things where it's like they're just so well prepared for. Because like if Harden misses time, Maxi's Maxi can step up. If you know if they they've got they've got answers for the problems that they might face already. I think Philly's probably the best team in the East. I don't feel super confident about that, but like. I don't mind saying it. And the Nets, like, I mean, KD's my MVP. I think by playoff time, all of the circus, you know, BS that's going on in Brooklyn will go away because I don't think a team with KD and Kyrie on it, like Kyrie, Kyrie is a sideshow all to himself, but, like, we saw what he did when it was time to turn it on in the finals. Like, when it was time to be serious about, you know, winning, he – he won a championship. Now he won it with LeBron, yes, but like that three-one comeback. I mean, and we've we so we've seen what Kyrie can do when he's locked in. You know, we've already talked about Ben Simmons. Seems like he's in a better spot. I just think that that that's the team that like it's it's going to come together this year. And unless there's a major injury, I think the the pieces fall in with the Nets. I think the one thing that I don't like about the Nets is they they're asking a lot of Nick Claxton. 
they're asking a lot of Nick Claxton at center. I remember they don't really have a. I mean, they don't really have a backup yeah. center. I know you guys weren't here, but the past two years, Carter and I were. Uh, just for some reason, Nick Claxton came up all the time, and we just <laughs> came. Funny. We just became Nick Claxton fans. But I, I think that we can retire that as a podcast. Um, <laughs> I I think he's fine, but. It, it's just every time I hear that name, I get I get chills because we would spend five six minutes talking about Nick Claxton. We get so far into the weeds and just be like, this team has Katie and Kyrie Irving and James Harden. I don't know why we're talking about Nick Claxton right well, it's now. It's because they refuse to have any other center options. Yeah, like they it's 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 Nick Claxton and and nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it's a funny. I I think that's actually going back to the defensive player of the year real quick. That's the one thing I think could derail Ben Simmons is he's I don't I hope that he gets the opportunity to showcase that perimeter defense and doesn't get pigeonholed into being their center stopper because Nick Claxton isn't going to do it like Claxton might but like Simmons is probably their best interior and perimeter defender and I hope he doesn't get boxed into only doing the interior stuff because they need it that badly yeah I I I don't think that they will just based on what they've done in the preseason, he's yeah. kind of getting after guards and stuff. So I don't think they will, but I, I agree with you that would not. I think they're at their best if he's, like you said earlier, roaming around and hounding guards and hounding, uh, playing defense at the point of attack. I think that's where he's at his best. I don't think the Nets go as far as I have them if he's just, you know, if he's sanctioned to their paint defender. No. Steve yeah, Nash yeah. would be doing a major disservice to that team. Uh, if I he just were to worry. Do that. Yeah, I just worry that it might become a necessity. Because Cla- I mean Claxton and nobody else as your bent, you know, as your as your as your rim protector. I mean, is KD gonna go be a center stopper? Because nope. you're not you're not gonna have KD do that. You need him on off. That's my point. Like like Simmons might just end up having to be some nights, and I I hope that doesn't derail their season too much. I don't think it will, but that's the one thing I could see doing it. For sure. Well, I'm the last one here, so I had um. In the West, I had the Warriors and the Clippers. I had the Warriors winning. I'm always bad at these, so I'm sure I'm. I'm oh, don't worry. I'm sure I'm jinxing. <laughs> I'm sure I'm jinxing the teams that I'm saying. But uh, and then in the East, I had the Sixers and the Nets, and I had the Nets advancing, and then I had the Warriors over the Nets. Um, I know that's a hot take, especially now with everything going on in Golden State. But I don't think it's a hot take. I think that I was hesitant to put them just because. I feel like we might get to the All-Star break and look back and be like, you guys, do you remember the the Jordan Poole and Draymond thing? Yeah. That might be too soon, but I I feel like they're so they're way too good and I feel like um this is unfair to Jordan Poole, um but if he's able to get over it and like they're able to come back as a team, that's they still are they still might be the best team in the league. So lethal. Yeah. So we this could be a non, not a non-story, but this could be a much smaller story if they just start winning again. And 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 um, Draymond and, and Jordan seem like they're um, at least playing well together. Sure. But I, well, it's kind of like the Phoenix thing we were talking about, where it's like if they just start winning a bunch of games, it's not going to matter. Yeah, yeah. it's just I not going to matter. And they, uh, I think they understand too. They are, they are towards the end of this dynasty. They're they're certainly a lot closer to the end than they are to the yeah. beginning. So if there's a time if there's a, some sense of urgency if there's a point where that kicks in it's now mm-hmm. and which is why i think draymond apolo- has apologized as publicly and as many times as he has already because he gets yeah. that he gets that he gets that he screwed up and 
you know. But I I like the Warriors pick. I like I didn't take them. Uh, I didn't take them, but I like that pick. I I dabbled with that a little bit. I think that it might be a year too late. To your point Could though be. about jinxing them last year, I had the Lakers and Nets in my finals. So Oof. yeah. <laughs> It wasn't that. That's what I said this year. I tried to go a little off the wall because that was those were the two, at least preseason. Those were the two uh, favorites in each conference, and I just took them. And I I didn't just take them because of that. I actually truly thought that that was a, a good pick at the time. So if anyone's jinxing anybody, it's probably going to be me. That's but fair. I think that we can hold off the discussion of storylines till next week. We got an hour of good talking today. We'll be back next week with um, maybe two more people. We'll see. I believe. Maybe, yeah, maybe so Josh and Carter will be here. If not, we'll have some people here. We'll bring you do some we, basketball do we content. Have, do we have like two minutes? I yeah, yeah. Go I ahead. Didn't throw. So I kind of skipped over it. I didn't throw my Western Conference Finals, and I think that's probably my most oh yeah controversial yeah. one yet out of anything I've said because I have. So my NBA Finals is Nets Clippers. I'll start there because that's not controversial. It's Nets Clippers. We don't have to talk that much about it. Both those teams are super good. I actually have Clippers Blazers in the Western Conference Finals, and I thought that there might be some thoughts on that because I think the West is very open, and I think Portland is definitely going to have a top-five offense. So if they have even a middling defense, they could really surprise some people. Personally, I I get where your head's at. I just I think there are too many – too many teams in the West that are capable of making, and the teams who are who are similar or a little better talent wise have either better coaches or more proven coaches, I guess. So I don't know. I'm not writing off Chauncey Billups, but when it comes down to it in a playoff series, I'm going to take Ty Lue. I'm going to take Steve Kerr. I'm going to take honestly even Chris Finch at Minnesota. Yeah. I've loved what he's done in Minnesota. And they're going all all in for it this year. So I just I think that I don't know. I just I I can't get there with them right now. I partly because of coaching, partly because of talent. I think they're they're a step or two away. I think they're a playoff team, maybe, and they could win a playoff series. Okay, I don't know yeah. if they can win two playoff series. I think Portland is still somewhat in search of what their identity is going to be for this next phase. I think we're anticipating a lot of things to come together, but if they were to make the conference finals, things would have to come together really quickly. Like, yeah. Simons would have to be that guy from the go. Yes. Chauncey would have to... Which, you know, I I had him most improved. Which if right. that doesn't happen, they're not making right. the conference finals. So Right, and, and Chauncey would also have to take a few leaps as a coach this season... Yeah, I, I get the Chauncey stuff, too. I think the big reason why I didn't really put too much weight on that is they have an incredible assistant coaching staff with, like, Scott Brooks and yep. guys like that that have, like, been to NBA Finals, you know, as head coaches. And, like, I think that's something that really – because Chauncey didn't do a great job last year. He, he especially early on, he had a lot of, you know – a it was a it was a rough adjustment. I mean, they finished okay, but like they didn't make the playoffs or anything. Like Dame got hurt. Like you know, it is what it is. And I I get the Chauncey stuff. I do because I you need to see a lot more from Chauncey. But I just think that I think the supporting coaches help smooth that out. Yeah, I agree too. I just think 
as going off. Of you, it's right? a hot I take. Think, I think it's, probably, it's, it's, a, it's a hot take. Yeah. I just but say maybe a year or two away. I think, see, uh, my issue with that is I don't think they have a year or two because Dame's getting up there. Dame's starting to get up there a little bit. That's my worry. So I think I think Dame is going to have them pushing this year. That's fair. We love hot takes, though. Um, it's the I, one I got. It's, it's better. the one it, I got. That's, Blazers to the conference That's finals. why we've been talking for over an hour, because we didn't all come in here with the same picks. It's yeah. what we like. It's the, it's the, one, it's the one I'll throw out, Blazers yeah. to the conference finals. I also just think that offense is just going to be ridiculous. Yeah, Dame. Because every one of all five of those starters are going to average twelve points a game at least, and three of or two of them are definitely going to average twenty. Like Simon's will, it might not be mid twenty. Simon's will average at least twenty, because that seventeen a game last year was in reserve minutes for part of the time. Yeah, they got like, bucket getters. Are going to need some stops though. And yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I can't believe I'm saying this, but next week, next time we talk to you, there will be there will have been NBA games played finally. Cannot wait. It's been a long off season. It's been a lot of fun, guys. Um, thanks for listening. Um, I don't got much for you. Go be nice to people. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.